Break Fix Podcast is all about capturing the living history of people from all over the autosphere, from wrench turners and racers to artists, authors, designers, and everything in between. Our goal is to inspire a new generation of petrol heads that wonder, how did they get that job or become that person? The road to success is paved by all of us because everyone has a story. The following episode is brought to us in part by Garage Style Magazine. Since 2007, Garage Style Magazine has been the definitive source for car collectors, continually delivering information about Automobilia, Petroliana, events, and more. To learn more about the annual publication and its new website, be sure to follow them on social media at Garage Style Magazine or log on to www.garagestylemagazine.com. Because after all, what doesn't belong in your garage? A juried collection of modern, classic, and vintage automobiles gathered from club members and enthusiasts showcased in a luxurious, comfortable setting with awards by Tiffany & Company. Guests enjoy an exceptional culinary experience while supporting the countrywide charitable causes of Casa of Monterey County, the Bridge Addiction Recovery Program, and the Laguna Seca Raceway Foundation. The Concours at Pasadera launches Car Week on the Monterey Peninsula. And with us tonight is Rick Barnett, chairman of the Concours at Pasadera, to explain the history and future of this beautiful event. So welcome to Break Fix, Rick. Glad to be here. Like all good Break Fix stories, there's always an origin behind the guests that we have on the show. And in this case, I think there's a double origin here. There's your history as a petrol head, as a Concours participant, but also the founder of one of the newest concours during Car Week in Monterey. Let's start off first by explaining to our listeners, what is a Concours de Elegance? Some people might be thinking, is that just another car show? Concours de Elegance is really a cue for the Pebble Beach event that has been going on now for so many years. And actually, in using that term, it brings me back to my first car show experience. I decided to take a first-time date to a car show, August 23rd, 1979 at Pebble Beach. It was great. It was a great experience. It was a great date. I thought I'm going to take this young girl, Lori Smith, to a car show. We'll have a good time. I'll drop her off that night, Sunday evening, and then that would be it. Little did I know that on Monday we would talk for a couple of hours on the phone, and Tuesday I asked her to marry me. And here we are, 43 years later, looking back at the first car show that, uh, that I ever attended, which was at Pebble Beach and the Concord Elegance. Concord Pasadera, the concept of it started about four and a half, five years ago with club members at Pasadera who were car enthusiasts that said, why don't we put together a car show that would represent some of the car collections that exist by Pasadera members, invite their guests and club members and homeowners of the community of Pasadera to a car show. It started out with that concept and it grew before the first event, which happened in 2019. Suddenly we had about 400 people that showed up, a lot more than what was originally anticipated. Some great cars, cars from all over the West. And it became an event that not only was the kickoff to Car Week, but also something that benefited local charities as well. Today, four years later, going into the fourth anniversary of the Concours at Pasadera, Pasadera continues to launch Car Week. This year, August 11th, will be the press party at the club. August 12th, Friday, will be the show. And then Saturday and Sunday, uh, Laguna Seca is our active track days for the race course. And then Monday, Car Week starts to kick off and gets very busy for that following week. And then Pebble Beach closes at that following Sunday. So when I attended with my now wife, our first car show together, Car Week, was three days. It was Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Today, it's a nine-day event. Pasadera kicks off Car Week on Friday, the week before. Pebble Beach closes Car Week that following Sunday. For the listeners that think, gosh, what is Car Week in Monterey? Last year, there were 23 car shows that happened during that nine-day period of time. 23 car shows. The most active car collector week if you want to call it that, nine-day period of time in the entire world. And that's also followed up by the Monterey Historics as well at Laguna Seca, where they actually run some of these vehicles on the track. That's correct. Some of the cars that are at our event 
will leave on Friday night after the Club 100 dinner, and the following day will turn right around and become active all during the week at various shows and historic races, etc. Rick, correct me if I'm wrong. If we touch on the origins of Concours, and I have participated in some years prior, you know, helping out, especially with the, the Deutschmark Concours here on the East Coast, the Porsche parades, things like that. I noticed there was a big difference between a Concours and what people are doing now, you know, the cars and coffee and the local car shows and things like that. The Concours is competitive. It's a judged event. It's very stressful. I never realized what it was really all about. And it stems all the way back to the early days of the automobile in France, where even in some respects, that concours d'elegance of, of elegance there was to show off the latest and greatest bespoke models coming out of all these different manufacturers. Does concourse today still follow in that same model? Is it still competitive? What is it like now, let's say 100 years later? Well, it's interesting when you say 100 years, you're almost right on. The first Concours d'Elegance was held at Villa d'Este back in 1929 at Lake Como, Italy. The tradition of the Concours d'Elegance continued on at Pebble Beach starting in 1950 and then continued there to the Hillsborough in 1956. So we've seen almost 100 years of car collector Concours events that have been happening all throughout the world. The Concours d'Elegance is a, an event that itself has gone through a series of evolutionary identifications. And what I mean by that is there was a period of time early on where the Concorde d'Elegance moniker, if you will, was really focused more on the elegant cars that had been chosen by or jury or by the event itself. But as time went on, we see that at Pebble Beach, as an example, but truly throughout the world, cars that are honored in various classes are shown and exhibited at the Concorde d'Elegance events globally. As an example, Sterling Moss arrived at one of the events with a Mercedes 300 SL race car. Well, you know, that certainly was not an elegance car, but it was a race car and it had historic significance. And so these are the kinds of, you might say, evolutionary progress that has happened with the Concours events. The Concours at Pasadera is unique in that it has each year, much like some of the others, a theme that we focus on. However, we reach out into the spirit of that theme that might evolve into other marks or other styles of cars. As an example, and this year it would be a perfect example. For 2022, the Concours at Pasadera is celebrating the designers and the coach builders of Ferrari. We're not talking about just Ferrari vehicles. We're talking about designers who had an influence on the coach designs of Ferrari or the coach builders themselves. Of course, Many people didn't realize or don't realize the fact that Ferrari for many years reached out into various coach builders, uh, Ghia, Zagato, Panin Farina, of course, everyone would recognize that. But there were so many coach builders that contributed to the design and the style of Ferrari. It was just not Panin Farina, which of course, I think in most cases is the most notable. There were so many different designers, dozens of them, that had contributions into the look and feel of Ferrari, designers and coach builders. And so this year for 2022, the Concours at Pasadera celebrates those designers and coach builders of Ferrari. And so we will see cars dating back into the 50s, all the way up to 2022, the most recent Ferraris that are just coming off the line. Our guests will be able to see the evolutionary styles of both the inspiration of the car itself, the brand, the Ferrari, a dream that few people will ever realize, as well as the stylistic changes of, as an example, a Bertone, which is very angular, would almost say focused in its design as compared to a Panin Farina that was much more theoretical or emotional, I would say, from a wavy standpoint. And so the guests are going to see in center court this year, 40 different cars that will range in style from 
something as simple perhaps as a, a 73 Volvo 1800ES, which of course you wouldn't expect that to have a Ferrari lineage, but it does. The designer of the Volvo 1800ES, the inspiration of that car came from a very influential designer that had his roots in working at the Ferrari company. And so we will see cars of that style all the way up to GTO Ferraris that are worth in the millions of dollars. In fact, there are going to be two cars on exhibit, each one of them historic Ferraris that will be worth over $50 million each. Anything from something as simple, if you want to call it that, as a Volvo sport wagon, all the way up to a $50 million Ferrari, any of the influences and style designs that could have had an impact on Ferrari or its designers over a number of decades, those are the cars that the people will be able to enjoy and gain a little historic nature of. However, that won't be the only thing. There is a section of the show that is called the Corvette Corral. 20 Corvettes will be chosen dating back to the C1 era, 1953-54, all the way up to the current C8s that we're seeing in the dealer showrooms. Each one of them unique. There's a story behind each one of them, but they'll be able to see 20 of those cars in the Corvette Corral. The alumni collection, which will be 20 cars chosen from past Concours events that the jury members have chosen as significant contributors to the overall inspiration of this year's Concours event. 20 cars that have been exhibited at past events that will now come back and resurface to show design styles or storyboards of cars that were significant that carry over into some influence of this year's Concours event. And then we even have a section called Fairway One, which is sort of an inspirational area as people park their cars to come into the event. There'll be 20 vehicles that are chosen that are all over the map. Everything from maybe a Porsche GT3 to a totally restored frame-off 72 Blazer K5 that has been lifted and very unique. They'll see 20 cars that seemingly have no rhyme or influence, but technically they have an influence to the overall event. So never more than 100 cars at the Concord Pasadera, but an exciting event for car enthusiasts of all types. This year also marks the 75th birthday for Ferrari. So that's quite the milestone there as well to be celebrating that at Pasadero. I like the fact that comparing this Concours to other ones, you know, maybe single mark, even something like Pebble or Amelia or things like that, yeah. where they do follow the AACA or, or triple CA rules yeah. that say the car must only be of this kind, of this bespokeness, yeah. of these years and things like that. You've opened it up and that allows you to bring in people with modern classics or modern collector cars and mix it in with the vintage or more rare vehicles that are out there. So I I really do appreciate that. I think it's important that we recognize, and I want to be clear on this, I think if we understand the future of the appreciation of the automobile, we have to take a regard, if you will. We have to accept what's happening at the Peterson. The Peterson has decided that as a museum, they were going to connect with Art Center. And so the Peterson and Art Center down in Southern California are interconnected. And what the Peterson has decided, along with the Art Center, is that the future of the appreciation of automobiles and the art influences of automobiles need to be attractive to a younger crowd, not just the 60, 65-year-old who is now decided that as a hobby, they're going to start collecting cars or they'll turn the hands of time back and now jump in their 914 and remember the days when they wished they had one and they came out, what were they, $3,500, I think, or the 240Z in 1970, which I think was 3695 People were jumping out of the showroom floor and running them up to Elkhart Lake, winning races in the 240Z. I think it's important that we recognize the fact the people of the Peterson and Art Center have decided that the future of the appreciation of automobiles needs to have a focus for the young as well as for the more mature collector. It's very important for us at the Concord Pasadera to be able to design our events each year to attract all ages. So you'll see boys and girls that will be between the ages of 
8, 10, 12 years old that are at the event enjoying it. In fact, last year, we had the first ever Hot Wheels Concours during Car Week Monterey. And we had everything from full-size Hot Wheels cars that drove in to $175,000 Hot Wheels die-cast miniature that Bruce Pascal brought in from Washington, D.C., and everything in between. The newest 94-cent Hot Wheels car from Walmart all the way up to $175,000 beach bomber car from Bruce Pascal and everything in between. Hot Wheels cars were featured last year. We had a lot of kids that were enjoying that part of the show. So it's important for us, I think, in the car collector community to recognize that in order for us to be responsible for the future of that culture, that we need to attract all ages, all styles, and all types of vehicles. So since you guys have relaxed the types of cars that can enter the Concours, has the judging also changed over the years? Have you taken some things that you've learned participating in other ones and modernized them for your event? I don't want to contradict. I don't know that that we've relaxed as far as the intent of the event. The event has a definite intent each year. However, as far as, you know, using the word relaxed, yes, I I mean, the judging is not such that the judges stick a mirror shelf underneath the car to take a look at the exhaust design and so forth to make sure that it fits within the originality of the car, et cetera, et cetera. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for interior that has been either restored either to original or modified, and we can identify it as such. The exterior that has been either original paint with original patina, or if it's been modified to some degree. In some cases, there are some cars that will be shown that actually don't have the original color of that particular car. We'll have a concept car, as an example. This year, we may have a very unique one-off Ferrari concept car that you really couldn't judge against because there is no portfolio to review on this particular concept car. It's a one-off. From the standpoint that we have relaxed the judging, I think the judges are interested in the mechanical bay. They're interested in the interior. They're interested in the exterior and if, in fact, the car runs suitably. And those are the things that they're after. They're not going to check whether or not the turn signals go left or right. They're not going to get into that detail. What they're looking for is the overall assurance of the intent of the car. And that really is very much the judge's profile for the event once again this year. So that would also imply if you're in a competition, it's not just one class and everybody's competing in, there's multiple classes that these cars fall under. How does that break out in a a Concorde like yours? Last year, the classes that existed that the awards winners participated in were domestic, beginning with 1940 and all the way up to contemporary times, dating up to 1989. So I think it was 1942 to 1989. So in domestic and international, vintage pre-war, so 1941 earlier. That was a particular class. Competition cars, obviously cars that had been used in races and what the provenance was of those races. We wanted to know how they were raced, where they were raced. Commercial, we had vans. Probably would come as no surprise to car collectors that a 1961 panel van won last year's commercial. But this panel van was valued at over $250,000. So definitely a pristine 1961 Volkswagen panel van. Of course, I still remember the days when those could have been bought off of a car lot for $1,200. Modern classic, those were cars from 1990 all the way through to current times. We even had motorcycles last year, which was interesting. We had 10 motorcycles that began in 1939 all the way up to current times. And then we had Hot Wheels. So those were the different classes that existed for 2021. Now, today, we see that things are different. And what I mean by that is to, in the 2022 event, because we've identified this group of cars that have had a design influence, either by a coach builder or a designer that had an influence in Ferrari, we've decided to identify the group of cars by decade, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, 2000, and then from 2010 to current. 
And so these are now the groups of cars that the judges will sift through, the grouping of cars in the 50s, the grouping of cars in the 60s, and they'll pick a car that they feel best represents the design, the feel, the emotion of the 60s, of the 70s. And that will be the car that wins that particular class, ultimately moving on to being in consideration for the best of show and the Pasadena Cup. And that's how that will be rated this year. Pasadena Cup is a beautiful cup that was designed by Tiffany. Absolutely gorgeous. And each year that cup is awarded to the best of show car. Is there a multi-year champion yet? Well, once a car has won the Pasadena Cup, it cannot be re-entered. It's a one-off. Do you yourself compete in the Concord? Well, I always have a car in there. I mean, I'd feel like it'd be a sacrilege to be the chairman of the event and not have a car in. But my cars are not up for the kinds of competition that some of these cars that come in legitimately are just absolutely. Well, as an example, just to give you perspective, one of the cars that we'll have coming in this year will be flown over from Paris into the United States and will be exhibited here at the show. These are car collectors that are very serious about getting their cars in this year's event. I've got cars in my collection that, quite frankly, as a young person, I always looked at, uh, even up to my current age, uh, now in my 60s, and they have always aspired to. I've got a 914 two-liter. I've got a Bentley Arnage. I've got a variety of cars, MGB GT. Those were all cars that were important to me as I was 16 years old and thinking someday I'm going to end up with a cool car. From that point forward, I started collecting the cars that I really like to drive. And so uh, those are the cars that I have in my collection. So that's good that you have your own cars in the show. So let me ask you this. From a concourse perspective, we ask this question a lot on the show. You know, what's the sexiest car of all time? You having been going to shows like Pebble Beach since, you know, the early days, what is one of the most gorgeous cars in your opinion? There are a lot of beautiful contemporary cars. If somebody was listening and they have a car that of a particular style or design and they're going to hear me say what I'm going to say, they go, oh, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. But I think we really have to go back to the 30s and the 40s and look at the Delahays as an example or the Hispano Suizas, or those cars which were a style of their own. First of all, imagine who the builder was and imagine the shops that they had. And remember that all the bodies were individually hammered out. You know, they didn't come out of a machine or a press. They were individually hammered out. And then you, you met with the client and the client would talk about perhaps the style of the fender that they wanted in the back and maybe the type of light that they wanted, whether the some of the metal inside was gold-plated or chrome, some of the 30s and 40s era Delahays, and then some of the 50s uh, and, and early 60s one-off Ferraris and Maseratis, those groupings of cars, boy, you know, it'd be tough to pick one car, but certainly those two eras, for me at least, they were amazing. Absolutely amazing. And the whole car experience for the buyer was absolutely significant. Just rolling works of art. Of course, we see that today. In fact, earlier today, I was talking with uh, someone from Ohio. I had a personal experience with this person a, a few years ago. We were in San Diego at an event. And he said, gosh, I really want to buy a Corvette. Never had a Corvette before. I really want to buy a Corvette. And I want you to tell me what I should buy. And I said, well, here's what's going to happen. I said, the Zora which I, you know, we didn't know what the name was going to be at the time. 2017, I believe it was 17 or 18. So the Zora is going to come out and most likely by design, it will not have a manual transmission. And so my recommendation is that you get a very cool C7 with a seven speed. And if I were going to pick one, I would pick a collector's edition C7. Here's the color And here's the style that I would pick, which was a gunmetal metallic that was just absolutely cool on that particular car. And it had a two-tone blue and black leather interior, just magnificent, and a seven-speed. So I said that if I were going to design a Corvette to keep, that would be the car that I would get. The Zora is going to come out. It's not going to have a manual transmission, I don't believe, based on the design. And so I would grab that. Well, lo and behold, he said, well, let's go buy one. I said, well, you're not going to find one. You know, you're not, where are we going to go to Chicago? You know, we're in San Diego. It was a Saturday afternoon. 
I said, well, you know, I'll call around and talk to a Chevy dealer and find out if they can locate one. Lo and behold, I called my hometown. They said, you won't believe it. Your car is in Carlsbad, California. Well, we were in San Diego. Carlsbad's like, what is it, 30 minute drive? I don't know. So we jumped in an Uber and drove up to Carlsbad. We walk into the showroom and that car is sitting in there. Bottom line is the car was bought and shipped to Ohio. And here we are. I was talking to him earlier today. He's got this seven-speed collector's edition C7. I don't think there'll ever be another manual transmission Corvette. And he's got one that is truly unique. There again, you know, you say to yourself, well, it's a C7. What's so special about it? Well, you know what? I know I'm getting off on a tangent here. But I got to tell you, the wonderful thing about car collecting is that a person can have a 66 Barracuda and another person can have a Willys and another person can have a 308 GTS Ferrari and another person can have a 76 Eldorado convertible. And you bring all those people together at a car show and you start them talking about cars and they're all on the same level playing field. They love cars. They love the stories behind them. It doesn't matter that one car's worth 80,000 and another car's worth 20,000. They're all on a level playing field and they're part of a collector community that is just special. You bring up a very good point. And I wanted to ask you, what are some of the more notable moments at Pasadena? What are some of the cars that really stuck out that you were like, wow, this showed up? I mean, obviously you're behind the scenes. You know they're coming, just like you were talking no. about the car coming in from Paris. But no. what are some of those awe-inspiring moments? Like this car has been at our event. I'll give you one story that I think everybody will marvel at. I won't give you the, the individual's name, but let's we'll call him Jim. And Jim, a number of years ago, was at a Ferrari dealership, and he walks into the Ferrari dealership, and on the floor is a early 60s GTO and a Lusso. They're both on the floor, and the GTO was priced at $8,000 more than the Lusso. And he decided, gosh, I just can't justify that additional $8,000. So he bought the Lusso instead of the GTO. And of course, you know, we know today the GTO is worth a fortune and the Lusso is worth a fair amount of money. But, you know, we're talking about a car that's in the three to $5 million range if it's perfect versus a car that's in the 50 to $80 million range. At the time, there was only an $8,000 difference. Now let's move on. Jim drives the car every day, loves the car. It's a daily driver for him and absolutely loves the car. And one day he's driving down the freeway. There's a truck on the left side. And I think all of us have seen at one time or another trucks that have lug nuts that stick way out. We've seen these chrome wheels on these beautiful semis that, I mean, you can tell the big driver is a car collector himself on his semi, you know, they're beautiful colors and beautiful chrome wheels and lug nuts that are sticking out almost like a gladiator. Bodicear uh, spikes. Exactly. Yeah. So these lug nuts are sticking out and he's passing the truck on the right side in this Lusso. The truck veers over and the lug nuts grab a hold of the Lusso from the rear of the car absolutely trash the car from the rear of the car all the way to the front fender, like a gladiator kind of a thing where it just rips the car apart. Now the car flips, ends up in a ditch, flattens the roof. The guy's in the car, breaks a clavicle, breaks his ribs, I think his hip as well. The car is totally trashed. It's in the ditch. I mean, a total you know, the ambulance comes and they bring him to the hospital and the cars gets hauled away. And, uh, you know, is it a junker or whatever? He won't see that it gets thrown away and whatever parted out. And he gets out of the hospital. I mean, this is now a couple of years later where he's still in rehab and the car is now sitting in its destroyed condition. But the man cannot give up his car. He can't give it up. And so ultimately, as he survives and he becomes financially able, he brings the car into a restoration shop. And over nearly a decade, the car goes through a total frame-up, ground-up restoration from its very core. And every part and every nut and bolt is restored on this car. And this was last year. Ultimately, the car ends up in Monterey for some final work by a craftsman, and that's the only way I can call him, months 
into the project. The car is working its way through, hoping that it will be ready in time for it to be able to be displayed somewhere during car week. Understand how long it's taken the car to bring it to this point. So I get in contact with the project manager of the car, and the project manager tells me that maybe, maybe, maybe the car could be shown at our event. And millions of dollars have been spent to restore this car to its original condition. Friday morning, 1.30 at night, the project manager completes the car and goes through road testing and everything at about one o'clock in the afternoon on Friday that day of our event. And at one o'clock, the car arrives at our event for exhibit. And no one has seen this car, not even the owner who is in Southern California and has not physically been able to come up to the show. Not even the owner has seen the car through its restoration process and now in its final form. But the project manager brings the car in with his son and the car arrives at center court at one o'clock in the afternoon in time for the show to open at two and for the guests to be able to see this car that has essentially been mothballed for almost a decade and gone through restoration. And I'm on the phone with the owner and the owner is choking up in emotion as I describe to him what the car looks like and where the car is and how many people are looking at the car and how enjoyable it is to have the car at the event. Now that is quite a story. What a special car. What a special journey that went through. Yeah. I mean, the tragedy and rebirth. Yeah. So that also begs the question, do you guys have special guests or special judges that have shown up at Pasadena? Sure. Yeah. If you go on to Pasadera.com, you'll see two of the judges. There's one who's asked to be anonymous, but if you go on to Pasadera.com, you'll see the listing of judges and also the jury members that will be part of the overall vetting of the cars. And ultimately in the judges column, those judges that will be responsible for the overall awards. So is this the year Jay Leno shows up unannounced? You know, we'd love to have Jay here. I met him at an event, told him that I'd love to have him arrive. Obviously, his schedule's busy, and so we'd love to have him show up. But he's not on the special unannounced guest list. So uh, <laughs> That's we'll Seinfeld. Seinfeld does that right now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just have to hope. So there's something else very special about the Pasadena event, and that's the event posters themselves. I hear that there's a ton of work that goes into that. Who's the artist? How is the art laid out? I mean, I've, the one over your shoulder for the listeners that aren't seeing this in the behind the scenes, it exemplifies the Ford versus Ferrari 66-67 era of Le Mans. Tell us where the poster came from and the significance of it for the events. Well, the poster inspiration came from my appearing with my now wife in 1979. And I have a copy of the 1979 Concord poster over my desk. I'm looking at it right now. When we decided that I would be involved with the Concord here at Pasadena as a Christmas gift, she got me a copy of the poster, which I did not get. You know, I remember at Pebble, when Lori and I arrived there for our first date, I parked about three blocks from the entrance to the lodge. And I think our entry fee was $35. And I think the poster was either $25 or $35 for the poster. Obviously, times have changed. It's difficult to park your car, park your car miles away and then bus into the Concord these days. The poster back then, I didn't buy. And my wife decided a few years ago as a Christmas gift, she would get me the 1979 poster, which at the time was either $25 or $35. I think she paid $375 for the poster. It's would, inflation. That's what all it is. Yeah, right? which I was thrilled to get. So, you know, we decided that the poster would be an important part of the event. Ken Ebert, who is a friend of mine that has done many posters for the Concord, has really been an inspiration to me artistically throughout the years. Me coming from now the art exhibition community, which was my vocation. In 2019, the first poster was created by uh, Michael Henderson, and it was really the entree to what would become a very important part of the show. 2020, Simon Bull, the celebrated English artist, did the first poster for the Concours at Pasadena, and it was Ford versus Ferrari. That was the first poster. 
and it became an instant collectible piece. There are still a few that are available, but they got gobbled up quick. Limited edition, both in the artist proof edition, where the artist signed the pieces, as well as in the open edition. There were only 500 that were created in an open edition, 100 artist proofs. So the Ford versus Ferrari, you can see the the battle that's going on between the two cars, the Golf and then uh, 512 in the background. In each situation, the poster shows the center court of Pasadera as if it was a racetrack. And so obviously been very well received. Then if we go to 2021, it became interesting in that we wanted to celebrate the back-to-back victory of Porsche at Le Mans in 7071. Once again, by Simon Bull, who was chosen to be the artist that year, was entitled Decade of Champions. And if you see that poster, and again, it's on Pasadera.com, you see the, the Dunlop tire in the backdrop with the Pasadera tower underneath the Dunlop tire. And then, of course, the Le Mans track, where we see the 917s, the 512, a Ford GT. And then in the background, the fifth car, we see the number 40, 914-6, that is battling the other four credible behemoths in the front. This poster, which has had a tremendous amount of collectability by the art collectors, uh, was just a super poster. That was last year's poster. Now this year, we called on James Caldwell, the son of celebrated architect James Caldwell. This is James Caldwell II. James has been the artist of the Concorso Italiano each year for a number of years. We asked James to commemorate the 65th anniversary of Laguna Seca moving from the forest race out of Pebble Beach over to its first race at Laguna Seca in 1957. And of course, the Ferrari winning the race being battled by the 300 SL in the background. So if you look at that particular poster, once again, you see the courtyard of Pasadera and you see the two Ferraris that are in the center courtyard. And in the backdrop, we see the corkscrew of uh, the track and the battle that's going on back in 1957. So this is a great poster. The originals have been pre-sold. They're very expensive. And the collectors that have bought these originals have something that has become very significant in the tens of thousands of dollars, say exactly how much, but a lot of money that the originals have sold for. So we intend to continue that tradition each year, next year with the 70th anniversary of Corvette. So what I appreciate about these, you don't see it often though, especially with being associated with a Concorde. Normally you'll see, like you said, pictures of a Delahaye or a Packard or a Talbot or something just very extravagant, very elegant. So far, all of your posters are grounded in motorsports, classic motorsports, iconic moments in time. That really speaks to me as a motorsports enthusiast and obviously as a vehicle enthusiast as well. So I wonder, is that going to continue? Is that going to be the tradition or or is it always going to be those moments in racing history or will it maybe eventually migrate into something else? Well, you know, who knows? I can only say, well, I mean, honestly, I don't know. This will be my last year as the point person for the event. Next year, there'll be a new guard that will take on the overall operation of the event as it continues to grow and flourish. I can only say that there has been a tremendous amount of appeal of capturing a moment in time, giving significance to it as the challenge of racing excellence. That's what Pasadera has really been about. You're right. I think that when we look at Pebble and we are going to see, uh, in most cases, a stationary car that is not focused on a, a moment in time of racing competition. But in each of the Pasadera posters, we're seeing a war And that's really what it is. We're seeing a war going on between automobiles, drivers, and manufacturers. And we've captured that in each of the three posters that have had a lot of significance. Will we see that in the future? Probably, but I don't want to put a a definite on that. So there's one more important factor about the Concours, which is the beneficiaries of the Concours. We highlighted a few of those at the beginning in the intro, but would you like to expand upon that and tell us what they are, why they're important, how things are distributed. If we take a look at who the beneficiaries are, they've been chosen each year by someone or something that we have believed have been significant to the contribution and culture of the peninsula. You know, if we look at both our sponsors, who the sponsors are and who the beneficiaries are of the event, 
This year, once again, we've chosen the Bridge Restoration Ministry, which is an addiction recovery program for men and women, celebrating its 15th year. Very successful program here on the Central Coast that actually has reached out to over 15 states across the United States. Hundreds of graduates that have come through the program and have had their lives changed free of addiction, of drugs and alcohol. So a great program. The CASA which is uh, the court-appointed special advocate program that works very closely with children in need. CASA is just a wonderful program. And then finally, the Laguna Seca Raceway Foundation, which is really designed to find ways of improving not only the style and design of the race course and its original intention, but also the safety of the course for its participants and its guests. And then, of course, we look at the sponsors. We have local sponsors, attorneys, JRG, and Monterey Touring Vehicles, and Adobe Winery, and Veloce Valuations, Porsche Group, is active with us every single year. There are under premier sponsors. These are the people that contribute to the event. People like RPM, as an example, that put money into the event so that the event can happen. Without them, the event would not exist. It is the confluence of intent from the sponsors as well as the beneficiaries that create such a cultural impact on the peninsula. And people from all over the world are now attending the Concord Pasadera and seeing what a difference a little car show can make to many people throughout the world. I think a lot of us are getting excited about this little car show you keep talking yeah. about. For people that are interested in coming to Pasadera as a visitor for the first time, yeah. what are some of the expectations? Food, music vendors, can anyone attend? How do they buy a ticket? Obviously, you've already pre-registered for people that want to enter their cars, but what yeah. about if there's somebody that wants to enter a car for next season? Well, next season's registration time will be announced after this year's event. I would just say go to PasaderaConcord.com and you'll be able to see continuing updates on that. As far as what to expect at the event, the entry fee is very reasonable, $195. What a person gets to experience is absolute amazing wines by Adobe that they will get to experience a welcome glass of champagne when they walk through the front gate. And then, of course, food that is absolutely second to none, created by award-winning chefs that will not disappoint anyone who attends the event. The food is excellent. The camaraderie is exceptional. Automobiles of many makes and models and styles can be enjoyed by every level of collector. And even if you're not a car enthusiast, you can come to an event like this and appreciate just the overall experience of the kickoff of Car Week on the Monterey Peninsula, which has been going on since 1950. I would say that young and old are going to attend this event and walk away with a memorable experience. How does someone get into Concours for the first time? How does somebody get into Pasadera? How do they become a Concours enthusiast like you did so many years ago and then compete with their cars and things like that? Would you care to give some advice to somebody that's listening to this going, you know, I'm really tired of going to Cars and Coffee or I'm tired of going to my local events. I want to step it up. I want to take home a nice award from Tiffany. How do they cross that threshold? Well, if they're an exhibitor, I would tell them not to be bashful. If they are someone who enjoys automobiles and they have something special, I would encourage them not to be bashful. Get on PasaderaConcord.com, take a look at the different opportunities to register, and get your car on there. Uh, what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is that the jury says no, but you've had an opportunity to actually submit a registration to the event and be considered. So I would encourage everyone who's uh, listening to this podcast, don't be bashful. Get online, go to PasaderaEric.com, go to tickets and registration and register your car. Let's see what the jury thinks. Who would have thought that the jury would have picked a Volvo 1800 ES to be in center court this year? And yet when you take a look at the design history of that car and who the designer was and the influence that they had in conjunction with their time at Ferrari, it became an obvious pick. There's an example of, you know, a wolf in sheep's clothing from a standpoint of an exhibitor this year. As far as a guest and attending, you know, there's only so many tickets that are accepted into the show. I would encourage you as a guest to go to PasaderaConcord.com, get on ticket and register. If you're accepted, 
then you get to attend an event that many people, and I don't want to sound egotistical on this, but many people have said that have attended the Pasadena Concord, it will be the event that they enjoy most during Car Week because there is a casual elegance about the event because it happens as a launch to Car Week the busyness and the frenzy of Car Week doesn't exist on that Friday when you attend the Pasadena Concourse. It is a relaxed, enjoyable experience, not rushed. You get to see the purpose, the reason for the event with the cultural influence, the contributions to the community, the appreciation of the different styles and car, uh, models of cars. There is a relaxed, enjoyable atmosphere of the event. And again, people walk away from the Concord at Pasadena, can go online and look at the comments that come from the people. They look forward to next year. And so the tickets are selling very briskly. And I would say that if you can get a ticket and be part of the event, either as a guest or an exhibitor, don't be bashful. Get online and register. Car care goes hand in hand with concours and car shows. What's in your bucket when you go to take care of your vehicles or prep them? Maybe some advice, some tips and tricks you've learned over the years for getting your car concours ready. Last year, Don Weyberg from Garage Style Magazine introduced Zymol to the event. It was interesting because there was some left over, and I ended up using it on my own cars. And I've got to say that the other products that I've had in my bucket have stayed in my bucket, and I've used up the product that Don provided us, and I've bought more of it. That really has become my staple in my garage. I mean, I have eight cars, and I can tell you that every one of them has had that product on their paint job or on their chrome or on their interior. Zymol product has really been excellent. I appreciate you bringing that up because we actually had the founder of Zymol on our show, Chuck Bennett, a while back, and he explained the history of the product, its evolution, where it's going in the future. So if you missed that episode and you're hearing about Zymol now for the first time or you're reading about it on Garage Tile Magazine, be sure to hop over to our previous episode. You can learn all about Zymol that way. Let's talk about the future just a little bit. You mentioned earlier that you're on your way out as the president of the Pasadena Concours, but knowing what you know, outside of Corvette, what does the next couple of years look like for the Concours? Anything on the horizon that we should be aware of? I can tell you that the event has continued to grow. And I say grow, I mean, in a very responsible manner. Tiffany continues to be involved. The quality of wines, beverages, food continues to grow in quality and experience. I will tell you there is one thing that will change next year, and it's a spinoff from this year. To kick off car season, Monterey Motorsports authored the first tour, the Costa Copper Blossom Trail tour that took off from the lodge at Pebble Beach and worked its way around the old race course at Pebble, around Laguna Seca, on up the Central Valley through the Almond Blossom Groves to the little town of Hillmar, where we had lunch, and then moved on to the town of Copperopolis, about an hour outside of Yosemite, where the group gathered in preparation for a concours for this year, in 2022. It was an exceptional event, exceptional event. And so next year, while I won't be chairing the concours at Pasadena next year, we will be hosting the second annual Costa Copper Blossom Trail Tour in March. It's limited to 60 cars, and we had a focus on Ferrari this year. Next year, the focus will be on Corvette, and it will coincide with the theme of the Concours at Pasadena. You can go on to MontereyMotorsports.com and find out what's happening for next year's tour event. And that will be something that will essentially usher in car season each year as a precursor to the Concord Pasadena. You know, beyond that, I can only tell you that the enthusiasm for the event is at an all-time high. We're excited about how Concord Pasadena will continue to evolve and attract exhibitors and guests to its event. That said, Rick, as we close out, any shout outs, promotions or anything else you'd like to share that we didn't cover thus far? I will tell you this, that, you know, I mentioned the sponsors that have been a big part of this year's event. I'd like to provide special recognition to both the Pacific region and the Monterey Ferrari clubs that have been involved in this year's event. They have had a broad reach in reaching out to special cars that will be featured at this year's event. 
also Veloce valuations and more imports that we'll be bringing to the event, both Paninfarina and Zagato cars that will be on exhibit and on display. They are the purveyor of some exceptional fine quality automobiles. And of course, our Porsche dealer, who is the classic partner dealer for Porsche, has an influence to the car collector community that's been very substantial. So we're excited about all of our sponsors and what they bring to the event. The posters, I would tell all of your listeners, if they are still available, dating back to 2020, I would grab a hold of them because for just a few dollars, you can collect a piece of art that is absolutely significant in the car collector world. The fourth annual Concours at Pasadena honors Ferrari's 75th anniversary and presents the coach builders of Ferrari, like Panin Farina, Ghia, Bertone, Scaglietti, Zagato, and others. Designers of Alfa Romeo, Lancia, and Aston Martin, to name a few. These masterpieces will be exhibited by decade starting from the 1950s. The August 11th press party honors Ferrari's wins and class victories at Le Mans since 1949 and its Formula One championships through 2022. To learn more about the concours at Pasadera, be sure to visit www.pasaderaconcours.com and you can follow them on social at Concours Pasadera on Facebook and at Pasadera Concours on Instagram. So Rick, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing your part of the vehicle enthusiast world with our audience, teaching us about the world of Concours and the newest, hottest Concours on the block, the Concours at Pasadera. So thank you for everything you've done. And we look forward to the coming seasons and continuation of this great event. It's been a real joy to be on this program with you. And I really appreciate the time we've spent. The following episode is brought to us in part by Garage Style Magazine. Since 2007, Garage Style Magazine has been the definitive source for car collectors, continually delivering information about automobilia, petroliana, events, and more. To learn more about the annual publication and its new website, be sure to follow them on social media at Garage Style Magazine or log on to www.garagestylemagazine.com. Because after all, what doesn't belong in your garage? If you like what you've heard and want to learn more about GTM, be sure to check us out on www.gtmotorsports.org. You can also find us on Instagram at Grand Touring Motorsports. Also, if you want to get involved or have suggestions for future shows, you can call or text us at 202-630-1770 or send us an email at crewchief at gtmotorsports.org. We'd love to hear from you. Hey, everybody. Crew Chief Eric here. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Break Fix, and we wanted to remind you that GTM remains a no annual fees organization, and our goal is to continue to bring you quality episodes like this one at no charge. As a loyal listener, please consider subscribing to our Patreon for bonus and behind-the-scenes content, extra goodies, and GTM swag. For as little as $2.50 a month, you can keep our developers, writers, editors, casters, and other volunteers fed on their strict diet of Fig Newtons, Gummy Bears, and Monster. Consider signing up for Patreon today at www.patreon.com forward slash GT Motorsports. And remember, without fans, supporters, and members like you, none of this would be possible.